0: Do you believe in miracles? I mean, do you really believe in miracles? I mean, that's what I want to talk to you about today as we wrap up this series on Welcome Home. And um, we're going to continue to use that logo. I just It just feels good to feel welcomed at Woodland. And, but I've really tried to preach on some things that I felt like God would say to you as a family, and especially in our first service this morning, there was... It was such a response to what God is saying and doing. I think it was Al Michaels, wasn't it, that when the United States beat Russia in the Olympics in 1980? Is that right? Al Michaels said those famous words Do you believe in miracles? And you know, all of us and, uh, were, were, were kind of just, yeah, yeah, we believe in miracles, but that really wasn't a miracle. As the Georgia Bulldogs found out yesterday, you can win against Don't do that. Don't do that. The Lord rebuke you, real good. <laughs> the Georgia Bulldogs against an unranked team, South Carolina. We and. Overtime. time. I was just, I didn't get to watch the game. Everybody kept, I just talked about some of you being sweet. Some of you are really mean. You kept texting me. I'm praying for cancer patients yesterday, and you're texting me the ball game scores. And uh, I'm trying to have faith, and you're just robbing me of my faith, you know. So, I run home real quickly, catch the last three minutes of the game before I go pray with somebody else for the prayer service last night. And I just You never do this, I know, but I just threw the remote onto the sofa and says, I wish I hadn't even come home to watch this. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Anybody ever feel like that, you know? So everybody knows that wasn't a miracle when we beat any team can be beaten at any time by another team, especially if you're not prepared. But what a great theological question. I just ask you what Al Michaels asks everybody else. Do you believe in miracles? you know, I get asked that question a lot. Some of it is by design, by the way I try to have conversations, especially spiritual conversations with people. But I've had doctors from U of M to St. Joe's to Beaumont to Henry Ford pull me aside and ask me, do you believe in miracles? We had a lady in our church that was dying and the doctor came in and told them there's no hope she's going to die. And I was standing there and So when he finished, I looked at the family and I said, there's always hope. And the doctor's face just went blood red. And I just began to share the gospel. Well, the Lord healed her and she lived another 10 years as a part of this congregation. (laughs) Later later he pulled me aside and apologized and wanted to talk to me about miracles. I, I remember when another lady in our church the, the Lord didn't heal her. I don't know why but I remember another doctor at U of M just invited me into his office because while she was conscious we were praying and he was in there with me a couple of very kind men and invited me. To, we talked about miracles. I had another doctor sit down and ask me. He says talk to me about I, I've had lots of conversations. I've had these conversations at the township hall. I've had these conversations in Starbucks. People just will ask me "Was well, do you really believe in miracles? Have you seen a miracle? And I can tell them about miracles I've seen. And this is an old study. It goes all the way back to 2004, and boy I feel old saying 2004 is a long ways back, but in 2004 a a survey was done of physicians and CNN and Time Magazine both carried this, I have the articles over 70% of the physicians of the United States believed in miracles, they believed that God did miracles and so in our culture there is a belief even though in the last few years There's been this really strong push in America and in Europe to rob people of faith to believe in miracles. But as a Christian, because I believe in God, I believe in miracles. As a preacher who traveled the world and for the last few years of my life before I moved to to Detroit, I preached over 300 services a year, and those were typically in a different church, and I saw something happening that I didn't like. I, I saw miracles. I've seen people healed of cancer. I've seen people with boils on their face, and I know this is going on on the internet, but I, you know, these are documented cases being healed instantly. I've seen blind people healed, and, and I realized that as a traveling speaker, if you want to put it that way. I was seeing all of these miracles, but I wasn't living with people like I used to do as a pastor. I wasn't living with people through the thick and the thin of life. And I began to miss that, and I talked with a very dear friend of mine, Ray Rachels. Judy has spoken here, his wife has spoken here before. And Ray is the district superintendent of Southern California. Ray and I were talking and I was just sharing some of our... He said, Dennis, you need to go back to pastoring. And he says, you need to live with people. There's no greater gift that you can give to a community, not just the church, but to the community. And the more Becky and I prayed about that, we felt like that was the will of God for our lives. We never dreamed it would be with you in Michigan. As a matter of fact, a friend of mine called me from the Opryland Hotel yesterday, which is a a place of real spiritual significance in, in our journey together for Becky and I. But what I have loved about pastoring is not just collecting the stories of the miracles that I could write about all the time, but it's living with the people who've had the miracle, and it's walking with people who didn't have the miracle. It's living through the thick and the thin of life. And so a lot of times, especially if you're watching somebody who, quote, has a healing ministry and they've got a television program, and they tell you about all the great things in their travels, they're not experiencing what I get to experience with you, and that's living and doing life together 365 days a year. And that's part of the joy of pastoring. It's not just seeing the big miraculous things happen, but it's living life together. It's doing life together. And that's why I think the body of Christ is so significant. So, we, can we give the Lord a hand for the gift of the church, the gift of doing life together? So as I tell you this, because I'm a Christian, I believe in miracles. If you saw the Facebook post that that Pastor Mark put up yesterday of a video I did, when I open my Bible, it starts with the miracle, the miracle of creation. And it doesn't matter whether you're a a, a literalist like I am, or whether you believe that God guided the process. I I don't want to debate that this morning. I'll be happy to have that conversation with you at at another time, but... The very fact God created this world, it's a miracle. The very fact that you hold a Bible in your hands or on your iPad is a miracle, especially with how so many people and civilizations have tried to destroy the Word of God and remove it from our culture. We are coming upon the Christmas season rapidly, as my grandsons just recently reminded me on a Skype telephone call that, you know, what they want for Christmas. And I looked at Becky while we were Skyping and said, it's almost here. But Christmas is the story of... God becoming man the incarnation the virgin birth and then we'll rapidly rush to Easter of the resurrection of our Lord after his crucifixion and then we'll rapidly rush to Pentecost which was the miracle of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that made us the church of the Lord Jesus Christ so as a Christian if you ask me if I believe in miracles I can't believe in God without believing in miracles So yes to Mr. Michaels, I believe in miracles. It may not be that South Carolina beat Georgia out of the will of God yesterday, but miracles happen. So how do you define miracles? This is my definition. You know, I'm sure you can improve upon it, but a miracle is not what I do. A miracle is not what you do. A miracle is what God does. It's not what you do. And when I read the Bible, I see natural miracles. I see, I mean, I define a natural miracle as where the laws of nature are just God overrules them, like Jesus walking on the water, Peter walking on the water to Jesus, turning the water into the wine. You know, I know some of you wish that he still did that just for you, but that's not what he does. It's supernatural miracles where jesus delivered the demoniac and then there are physical miracles where jesus healed the blind or the crippled or the lame matter of fact some of us we all have been through these places in life and if you haven't been you will be before long we go through those places in life where we're not sure we're we're confronted and we ask ourselves is jesus really real or maybe you're facing death, and you're, you're going, is this really real? This is what I really believed real? And I had a conversation with somebody scared to die this week, a, a lost person just scared to die. They're fearing death and letting go of what they have and letting go of their relationships, but not ready to cross the line yet. You see, they're living a life of slavery because they're bound by their possessions, and they're bound by the love for their family family and death is a fearsome thing because they don't know there's so much they don't know yet And my job and my hope and my prayer is to persuade them that God knows you, God knows all about you, and God loves you, and I hope to show you through these miracles this morning that miracles aren't just about miracles, but they're about the glory of God and the authentication of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can we give him a hand of praise for that as well this morning? So John John the Baptist is in a place like this, He's facing death for his faithfulness to the gospel. And so he sends his disciples. He's got questions, you know. He's he's already proclaimed who Jesus was. He says he's the Messiah. He says he's not unworthy to even untie his shoes. But some of us, we come to that point. I've had those points of crisis in my faith where I just bowed on my knees and says, God, is this gospel that I'm preaching really real God puts you in those places sometime. Not to destroy you, but to stretch you. To increase your faith. So if you're going through that place this morning, hang on. God will hold on to you, but He's going to in your distress enlarge your heart, the Scripture says, so that your faith grows. So the disciples come to Jesus with their question from John, and Jesus says these words to him. Go back to John. Tell him what you've heard and seen, the blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. Oftentimes I find people believing the good news preached to the poor, but rejecting that these miracles still happen today. That the blind see, the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised to life. But he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can you say amen? amen. And the reason that, that Jesus puts the good news is being preached to the poor at the end of these miracles is because the greatest miracle of all, it's not because this is the least. Look at me, don't miss this. It's not because these miracles, these stupendous supernatural miracles are the least, but the greatest miracle is when you and I are born again and our sins are forgiven and we are adopted as sons and daughters of God. Can we give him a hand of praise for that? That's still the greatest miracle in the world because you can have miracle after miracle and if you don't know Jesus, you still die and perish in your sins and go to hell. And there's no reason to live life without. There's no reason to live life without the abundant life that God wants to give to you. Miracles authenticate, miracles also glorify God. And so when the gospel is preached, one of the things that Jesus said would happen is that signs and wonders would follow. And last week we looked at how that we really, really can't claim that promise that, lo, I am with you always, unless we're sharing the gospel with lost people. Because that's the context of that promise, Many people want the promise of the presence of God but want to reject what Jesus said was the most important thing to John, sharing the good news with other people. So I'll say it again. If you believe in God, you believe in miracles. So let's look at four miracles this morning briefly and quickly that I want to walk you through. Number one, miracles happen when we humble ourselves before the Lord. Miracles happen as we humble ourselves this morning as we were singing and as we were worshiping the Lord and I, I hear with my heart people singing out. I hear people humbling themselves. The Bible tells us that we enter His gates with thanksgiving. We come into his courts with praise. We sing songs of worship and love. And sometimes in our Saturday prayer services here at the church, we'll sing a chorus, I will come and I will bow down at your feet, Lord Jesus. And we worship the Lord. And people gather around this altar in Saturday night prayer. And they, they humble themselves before God. And they not only humble themselves before God, but then they begin to lift you up in prayer. And they begin to pray for our community and missions. The first miracle I want to look at is about a man who humbled himself before the Lord. In Luke chapter 5 and verse 12, in one of the villages, Jesus met a man with an advanced case of leprosy. Now, this is one of those times when I like the poetry, the King James version. The Bible says in the King James version, he was full of leprosy. But this is an accurate translation. It was an advanced case. In other words, he was eat up with leprosy. And when the man saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground, begging to be healed. And you'll notice in all of these miracles we're going to look at, they happen in the presence of God, and they happen as people humble themselves, many of them at the very feet of Jesus. They happen in the presence of God. Is why I entitled the message, Miracles Happen in the Presence of God This Morning. When the man saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground, begging to be healed. Lord, he said, if you are willing, you can heal me. I make me clean. And Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly, say that word with me, instantly the leprosy disappeared. Now what touches my heart here is not so much the miracle But what touches my heart here is a man that is full of leprosy, an advanced case of leprosy, unclean, has to call out unclean wherever he goes. A man who no longer feels the touch of his children's hands on his face. A man who no longer feels the embrace of his wife. A man isolated and everyone considered unclean. This man comes at the very feet of Jesus. And church, please hear me this morning. My dear family and my dear friends in Christ, do not miss this. It is to the feet of Jesus that we have been called as a congregation. It is at the feet of Jesus that miracles are happening. It's at the feet of Jesus when the foundations of the wicked are being destroyed. It is at the feet of Jesus where the power of God begins to flow. It doesn't happen in our busyness and it doesn't happen in other places but we are called to a church through the feet of Jesus to worship Him and to love Him and we have seen miracles I could tell you more stories over 20 years here and over 40 plus years of ministry of miracles that I've witnessed but with all of my heart and with everything within me and I place my ministry, my reputation on the line before you in this community but I believe with everything within me that God is calling Woodland Church to a greater place of power to a greater place of the move of the Holy Spirit and to a greater release of signs and wonders and miracles because in these last days we need an authenticating and a glorified work of God's presence in our midst today. But it will not happen because we just talk about it. It happens as we pay the price to come and kneel at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. Last week, I asked you a question that I asked of many people this week. Almost every day, I was asking this question, and as I asked this question last week, I I took for granted that you're having family devotions. I took for granted as couples, you're praying together. And I ask you this question. You will remember if you were here. What would happen if Jesus showed up in your family devotion tonight? What if Jesus said to you, I'm going to answer every prayer you prayed last week tonight. I'm going to, every prayer you ask me, I'm going to ask you and I watched as our congregation, some people's hands went to their face, some went to their mouth, some hugged their heads, and some just looked at me and shook their heads and were communicating to me, Pastor, I was prayerless last week. I wasn't communicating. I wasn't asking God for much. I was busy. This or that was happening. And as I've asked that question, so many have told me this week, Pastor, it drove me to pray more. It drove me to seek God more because I realized I'm living my life in the power of my own abilities and my strengths and talents I submit to you friends there is more this morning than our strength and our talents and our gifts and our finances can do there are some things that don't happen unless there is a miracle from God and I ask you the question I started with this morning do you believe in miracles and miracles happen in the presence of Christ In Luke chapter 5 and verse 12 again, just listen with me as I read it again. He bowed with his face to the ground, begging to be healed. This man with an advanced case of leprosy, I've preached on this in detail before, so let me just be brief and say, this kind of leprosy, the cells are eating one another. This kind of leprosy, the body is consuming itself. This kind of leprosy, it's like death is crawling through the body and it's just beginning to waste away. But what happens here to me says more to me than the healing of a body being eaten up by leprosy. But this says to me, some of you may be eaten up this morning on the inside with fear. Some of you with guilt. Some of you may have felt like not coming to church today because something happened this week. You said something, did something, and the enemy has been fighting you and saying it's just hypocritical of you to come to church. Think of what you did. Think of what you said. It's the reason when we took communion this morning, I ask you to examine yourselves because Lucifer has been fighting you with thoughts of condemnation. You're unclean. You're not not worthy. I want you to know when you come into the presence of Jesus, He not only heals you of your sins, but He heals you of what's eating you up on the inside and He can heal you of the worst of diseases this morning. Somebody say praise God. (laughs) Hallelujah. Some of you are eaten up with anger or unforgiveness or memories from the past. You are tormented by those things. But if you will come to Jesus humbly this morning, it is He who will reach out and He touches the unclean and makes them clean. There is nobody too dirty. There is nobody too far away from God. That's why at Woodland we say it doesn't matter if you're gay or straight. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been. All are welcome to in the presence of Jesus some of you may still be hanging out with us and haven't crossed the line yet and the enemy is just trying to get you not to believe but there is a miracle working God that he not only heals bodies but he gives new personalities he gives new life all things pass away and all things become new because of the blood of Jesus Christ Amen. hallelujah There's two things, just briefly, I want you to notice about this miracle, though. Number one, obedience always leads to blessings. Obedience always leads to blessings. Jesus instructed him not to tell anyone what had happened, but instead go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy. This will be a public testimony that you've been cleansed. As a young man, I would read this. As a young preacher, I would read this and say, Lord, why would you tell people not to go publicize your miracles? A man in our church came to me not too long ago and says, Pastor, I I, want to rent a billboard and let's put your picture on it and put something up there about Woodland Church. And I says, no, 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 no. You can put Woodland Church up there. You can put any message up there you want to, but you're not putting my picture up there. And he says, well, Pastor, are you afraid you won't look good? I said, well, that's part of it. Vanity's part of it. But no. I said, every admin I've ever hired, I've said, your job is to keep my face out of the paper. Because our mission in life is not about a personality. Our mission in life is about Jesus Christ. Our mission in life is to glorify the name of Jesus. I love Jesus. I thank God every day of my life for Jesus. I am not the hope of the world. You are not the hope of the world. Woodland is not the hope of the world. But Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. And if we lift him up, all men will be drawn nigh unto him. But we've got to do it his way. His way. And the reason that Jesus told the man go to the priest and he disobeyed and started telling everybody is Jesus left his town early because of the press of the crowds. But if the priest had given witness, more people would have heard. And friends, I don't ever want the Spirit of God to leave Woodland because we have disobeyed the Lord. I don't ever want the Spirit of God to depart from Woodland because somehow or another we're trying to use fleshly means. I do not want the word ichabod meaning the spirit of the lord is departed ever written over this church i want people to know when you come to woodland church you meet jesus christ can we give him another hand of praise this morning (laughs) second lesson i take from this miracle is something i've had to learn the hard way and this just comes out of my experience and you can agree or disagree with this if you like but I hope you will listen to me, not as some young preacher, but as someone who's spent years doing this. Jesus touched this man. That was against the law. Not the law of man, but the law of God. It was the Word of God that said a leper could not be touched. It was the Word of God that said his wife couldn't touch him. His children couldn't touch him. But Jesus reached out and touched this man. And I can't imagine what must have coursed through his body when he felt the first touch of a human hand, but the hand of God upon his life. And if I've got to err in some way when I am confused about how to apply the gospel, I'm always going to err on the side of love and compassion. I'm always going to err on the side of love and compassion because that's what I see from my Savior. And God wants to use you. But God won't use a legalist who is trying to cross all the T's and dot all the I's. Jesus has set us free to minister in love and compassion. Number two, and I need to move a little more faster here this morning. Number two, miracles happen to the tenacious. Miracles happen to the tenacious. Does anybody remember that word? We did a series this summer called Grit. Say it with me if you remember. Guts, resilience, integrity and I'm so proud of you. I think you sometimes go home and make paper planes out of my sermon notes and, and don't remember them. But you remember that, grit. And we looked at four stories of grit and how God works in our lives and with people who have that grit in their life. Well, you see, this next story is a fascinating story because in this miracle, we see people who help other people experience a miracle. We see people who help other people get into the presence of God. Let me read you a quote from Martin Luther. Faith is a living, daring confidence in God's grace. It is so sure and certain that a man could stake his life on it a thousand times. Let's read that together out loud. Faith is a living, daring confidence in God's grace. It is so sure and certain that a man could stake his life on it a thousand times. Now, Martin Luther literally did stake his life on the faith that the the just are justified by faith. He literally staked his life for that one statement over and over again. And faith is that quality that you're, you're willing to take some risk. You're willing to step out where other people are afraid to go. I love risk takers. I love people who are willing to risk it all. I, I love it when there's a goal line stand in football and somebody decides, you know, they're going to go for the two-point conversion. And I listen to all the whiny heinies later saying why they shouldn't, but there was a, somewhere a coach and somewhere a team had the guts to say, they had the, were tenacious enough, and they, they go for it. I love people who take risk in faith. I, and you know, these guys, they took a big risk in faith. This story is about at least four guys who loved their friends so much that they went and tore their neighbor's house up. They heard Jesus was there, and they couldn't get in because there were so many people. So, they climb upon the house, and they began to tear the place up. Because their tenaciousness, they knew if they could get their buddy in the presence of God, a miracle was going to happen. And I ask myself sometimes, who are the people in this congregation who have that kind of risk? Who are the people in this congregation that are working hard? Who are the people who are taking the risk to get others into the presence of Christ? Oh, I know you want your wife there. I know you want your children there. I know you want your grandbabies there. But are there people in your life that you love so much that they're lost or in need of a miracle that you're giving it everything you got you're praying for them you're sharing with them you're building bridges to them in order to help them get to Jesus the Bible says some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat and they tried to take him inside to Jesus but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd so they went up to the roof took off some tiles and lowered the sick man on his mat, right down into the crowd, right in front of Jesus. notice where it happened at, right in front of of Jesus. Friends, there's something about getting your friends into the presence of Christ. We have seen lost people come to know Jesus here at church. We've seen them in our youth ministries. We've seen them in other places. There's something about getting them into the presence of God. It's the reason I'm constantly reminding us, love lost people, build relationships, invite them with you. But when they got him in the front of Jesus, Jesus did something that blew everything everybody away, and it fits right with what he told John the Baptist. He didn't say, you're healed. He said, son, your sins are forgiven, and instantly the man was healed. I'm telling you, the greatest miracle is not a physical healing, because we're all going to die one day unless Jesus comes again first. We're all going to die one day. The greatest miracle is that your sins are forgiven, and you spend an eternity in heaven with your Father in heaven forevermore. Somebody shout out praise God this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. Third miracle I want to look at is for those who dare to believe for the impossible. There's who dare to believe for the impossible. This miracle is about a man named Jairus. Jairus was the leader of the local synagogue, and all of the Jewish elders had rejected Jesus. There was I shouldn't say all. There was a couple like Nicodemus and some others. They hadn't rejected, but the Sanhedrin, the high priest, they'd all decided that Jesus was a phony, and they all were planning and plotting his death. But Jesus is coming through town, and there's like this giant parade. Jesus is coming into town, and and you'll notice Jesus didn't really like the crowds that much. He would preach to the multitudes, but Jesus is very personal. He was in people's homes. He was having dinner with them. He was walking with them. And it says to me this morning Jesus wants to spend time with you and me. But there's this big parade, and Jairus' daughter, he's the leader of the local synagogue. Let's call him Rabbi Jairus. Rabbi Jairus' daughter is dying. And he realizes this could cost him his position. He realizes that there could be a contract put out on his life. He realizes his synagogue might put him out. But you know, when it happens to your baby girl, when it happens to your daughter, that changes everything, doesn't it? You know, when there's a cancer in somebody else's family, that's sad, that's bad. But when it's your daughter with cancer, or when it's your wife with cancer, when there's a rape in another family, oh, that's too bad. But when it happens in your family, that's something else. When somebody abuses... Somebody else in another family, that's too bad. Oh, God bless them. God help. But when it happens in my family, that's something else altogether entirely. And Jarius throws everything on the line, his reputation, his name, his ministry, and he presses to that crowd to find Jesus because there's a disease that's taking his daughter. And there are people telling him it's too late, it's too late. And Jesus gets stopped, and we'll get to that in a minute. But as Jarius gets to Jesus and asks him to come home, with him to heal heal his daughter somebody arrives and he says don't trouble the master any longer Rabbi Jairus don't trouble Jesus any longer because your daughter is dead Some of us have received that phone call we didn't want to get. Some of us have looked at the caller ID and our hearts have dropped to the floor like we sang this morning. Some of us have gotten that call that our hearts have hit the floor so hard we've fallen to our knees in despair. Some of us before we found Jesus there were things that caused our hearts to drop to the floor and our strength to ebb away like water. But we hit the floor in desperation crying out, God Help me, God help me, because we know that call. And Jarius got that call from a servant who said, Don't trouble him anymore. Your baby girl is dead. And Jesus said some powerful words to Jarius. He says, Jarius, don't give up. Jarius, just believe. Jarius, just have faith. I'm telling you, it's never too late. Even when death knocks on your door, it is never too late. God is saying to somebody in this church this morning have faith in me today have faith in me Your family's dying. Your marriage is dying. There's Your children have abandoned you. There's relationship problems. And you're thinking there's no more hope. There's no more hope for this relationship. And Jesus looks at you. He sent me here. And friends I never say that hastily. I never say that without thought and without fear and trembling. But Jesus has sent me here this morning to tell you it's never too late when you are in the presence of God. But if all your time is with the doctor, if all your time is with the counselor, if all your time is with your friends, if all your time is at the television, then by golly, it is too late. But if you can press in to the feet of Jesus Christ, no matter what the phone call or the doctor's report, it's never too late because miracles happen in the presence of God. That's where the power is. It's why Jesus is calling us to a greater depth of prayer. I worry I worry that the spirit of the world is beginning to infect the church. I worry about the lives from hell that are sweeping across our nation. I deeply worry and I find myself on my knees more than ever at this time in my life. Something is happening. The staff recently came to me two weeks ago and said, Pastor, have you seen the latest stats? People are averaging attending church only 1.25 times a month. They're busy. They've got things to do. God's blessed them with toys. God's blessed them with extra homes and campers. God's blessed them for their children to be at this event or that event. And so they're doing all these events on Sunday morning so they can have the good life rather than be in the presence of God. I drive through my subdivision on a Sunday morning in the summertime and I see children out playing or people getting ready to go to the lake and I weep because I know the day is coming. I've done this a long time. These gray hairs are here for a reason. When the families come to me, we made a mistake. Our children don't know the Lord. Our grandchildren don't know the Lord. Everything else was important to us except for church. We put that before God. I'm telling you, brother, I'm telling you, sister, there is no greater pain that you'll experience than when your child backslides, turns his back on God, and looks at your lukewarm life and says, you didn't count it as important. It is not important to me." this is what my professor at U of M told me this is what my professor at Wayne State I'm telling you we've got to get our families in the presence of Jesus Christ one more time we've got to get them there I don't like to say this on a Sunday morning I've been your pastor for 20 years and you've never heard me say anything like that it sounds like I'm pounding you but I'm not It sounds like our church is shallow, but it's not. There are praying, fasting people throughout this congregation. They meet me on Saturday nights to lift you up in prayer. They're out serving on the streets. They're serving in our community. There are faithful, deep people. There are small groups across this congregation that you can do life with but friends I'm telling you I'm trying to awaken you there is an evil demonic spirit at work in our world and the Bible tells us in the last days the love of many will grow cold and when a major democratic candidate stands up this past Thursday night and says in a campaign debate that if churches and colleges do not support gay marriage there should be no reward there should be no benefit they should be stripped of their right I'm telling you you, there is an evil spirit trying to deny us of our First Amendment rights, of freedom of speech and freedom of worship. Nobody has the right to tell a Muslim what to believe. Nobody has a right to tell a Jew what to believe. Nobody has a right to tell the church what to believe. Here we stand in our faith, and we will die a thousand times for it. The Word of God once delivered for the saints. But what troubled me more was not the ludicrousness nor the bombastic statement, but the fact that not one democratic presidential candidate challenge that statement call the speaker out on that first amendment statement I submit to you with much prayer and trembling there is the very vomit of hell flowing across this country deceiving people and the love of many are growing cold because everything else is more important than the preaching of the gospel the celebration of the Lord's Supper together and the gathering together to worship even more so as we see the the day of the Lord approaching and the thing being sacrificed is our children there's a creeping death crawling across America and in too many churches there's a creeping death Jarius did the right thing he pressed into the feet of Jesus and you have done the right thing in being here this morning and I just want to say to you, there is resurrection power for your marriage. There is resurrection power for your family. There is resurrection power for your career. There is resurrection power for your finances. There is resurrection power for your faith this morning. Somebody say amen today. Jesus took her, Luke eight fifty four. Jesus took her by the hand and said in a loud voice, my child, get up! And at that moment, her life had returned. She was dead, but her life returned at the word of God. At that moment, her life returned, and she immediately stood up. And Jesus said, give the girl some fried chicken and mashed potatoes right now. And her parents were overwhelmed, and they bought banana pudding with it. But Jesus insisted, don't you tell anyone what happened. Friends, only the faithful see what God does in His presence this morning. Hallelujah. Only the faithful. So three quick lessons. Always be hopeful. Always be hopeful. Always bring your family before the Lord in prayer daily. Always bring your family. And finally, it's never too late to go to Jesus. Mark, if you'll come on to the keyboard, dear bud. I want to share with you one more story and then one more miracle. Miracle happens to those who reach out to the Lord. Miracles happen to those who reach out to the Lord. And can I just be honest? Can I just be frank for just a moment? I'm not being a whiny hiney. But this one speaks to me. Because there are times when I just feel drained. This has been one of those weeks of me just being with hurting people all week long. And I'm so honest, what I meant, it changed the very opening of my messages. I thought about, I am so grateful that people invite me into their lives. I left one home this week. The doctors had said there was nothing else they could do. As we knelt and we prayed together, On the sofa, on which this dear sister in our church has been a part of this family for 17 years. As I left her home this week, she took my hand. She said, Pastor, please come back. What an honor. What a joy. And I said to her what I said to you this morning there's always hope. There's always hope. When the doctor says there's no more hope, how many times have I heard those words and I've seen a miracle happen? Not every time. And as I told somebody yesterday, you can't ever just take for granted that the possibility of a miracle means the probability of a miracle. Because it appears to me from the Scripture and from my experiences it's getting into the presence of Jesus where the miracles happen. It's getting into the presence of Christ. I walked in this morning and a couple of people said to me, Pastor, you look exhausted. And I never want to hear those words from anybody. Lie to me. I asked the staff, Do I look tired? they won't lie to me so I walked into my office after we had prayer and I slapped my face a few times to get some color in there I did some push ups to get the blood rushing to my head I don't come to this pulpit complaining I'm not complaining but my soul was weary I told Becky last night I said it's just been such an emotional week. I know that feeling that the woman with the issue of blood has. And some of you probably know that feeling. The Bible says that her life was hemorrhaging away. The Bible said her finances had hemorrhaged away. It's why I said to you by design in our communion this morning, life is in the blood. And this woman whose life and money had hemorrhaged away was left with no hope. She was considered unclean. When the money ran out, the physicians weren't to be found. There was no family around. She's unclean. And she takes a daring risk of faith, knowing that she could be stoned. She presses, she presses into the presence of Christ. Please understand, I know what I'm talking about here. The awkwardness of your disease The smell of your disease. The people wanting not to be close to you because of your disease. The depression. The discomfort. The pain. Am I speaking to somebody in here this morning? Will you just feel like your life is slowly being drained away? And maybe you have felt and hoped there's a miracle for you this morning. I'm telling you, God knows your name. He knows where you're at. Our resurrected Lord looks down upon us this morning. He dwells with us. He inhabits our praises as we've sang and worshiped him. He knows where you're at. And that woman pressed through. And she touched the fringe of his robe in Luke chapter 8. And look at what happened. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. The disciples said, There's so many people around you. What do you mean who touched you? Read this with me, someone deliberately touched me. Would you read that again? Someone deliberately touched me. Read it again with faith this morning. Someone deliberately touched me. There was no repetition of the same words. There was no getting the ritual over with. This was a desperate woman getting into the presence of God and deliberately touching Him because she knew if she could touch Jesus, there's a miracle. There's a miracle. And I'm telling you this morning, He knows your name. And there's a miracle for you. Now listen as we get ready. We're going to come to the altar again this morning. Why? You say, Pastor, I've been asked this question. I was asked it yesterday. Pastor, why did you quit traveling? Don't you miss that? No, a thousand times no. Because there's something about doing life with people day in and day out not forgetting names not forgetting faces not going to the next speaking opportunity or the next event and what i have seen in my own life what i've seen in your lives and what i saw in the church i pastored before is that behind every miracle behind every problem that necessitated a miracle God has been doing something even greater than the miracle. God has been accomplishing something in our lives, in our distress. He enlarged our heart. He drew us closer to himself. And so the miracle that you're looking for this morning, it may not come until God has finished the work in your life and you can truly say, that all things work together for the good of those who love Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? So would you stand with me? And would you come and don't stand in the aisles, press in around this altar. If we need to, come on the platform, but let's come into the presence of Jesus this morning. You're in His presence right now. Jesus said to Jarius, Jarius, just have faith. And when Jarius walked home, I'm sure he was being assaulted with the thoughts, my baby girl's dead. You see, faith is not a formula of saying the right things and speaking the right things and being afraid to admit what's going on. Faith is obeying Jesus. Faith is walking with Jesus. Faith is bringing Jesus into an unbelieving home and your guest is laughed at, your guest is mocked at, your guest is ridiculed. That's what the Bible says they did to Jesus. I don't care what the unbelieving world thinks. I want the presence of Jesus in my home and in my marriage. Faith is walking with Jesus. And so, with all of my heart, I believe the Lord is saying through the leprous man if you're unclean Jesus can make you clean I believe that the Lord is saying to you if you've got someone that your heart is breaking for be tenacious whatever it takes take a risk tear the roof up tear a hole in the heavens in your prayers get them into the presence of Christ I believe that what Jesus is saying through Jarius to us is just have faith. Have faith in God. And what he's saying to you this morning, if you need a miracle, is reach out and touch me. So as we sing this one more time, I want you to forget about everybody else and whatever. If you're worried about what they think, you're going to miss your miracle. But if you'll get into the presence of Jesus, if you need a miracle, would you just bow as we sing this again in the presence of Jehovah. Just, if you can, get on your knees before the Lord.